Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter morning. All right, I ironed my pants today, which means everyone has to sit down and listen to me. So good morning, everybody. Good morning, LBCF family. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We're almost done. My name is Ryan, and I have the honor of being the teaching pastor at LBCF and being a part of a rich and incredible teaching team. Um, And throughout Lent, we together every week made intentional space to enter into longing, into waiting, into grieving, into the downward trajectory of a Christ whose life of love would culminate on a cross. But today we look open-eyed at the hope, birth, and the resurrection, hope that in Christ all that dies is alive, that dead re relationship alive, that dead friendship alive, that dead marriage alive, that dead passion alive, that dead hope alive. Even that thing that feels broken beyond repair today reminds us that God is not just in the business of using crooked sticks to make straight lines or polishing up our brokenness. Today is the needed reminder that even the things that we have buried and moved on from and are coming to grips with its finality, that even those things aren't beyond the touch of resurrection power. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Luke chapter 24 with me? Um, I'll be reading out of the ESV. Also, uh, if you are able, would you stand with me as we read God's word. This is Luke chapter 24. It says, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, a man said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of a man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. 
So one of the most sacred and precious times in my whole day comes right around 10 p.m. It's right when all the needs and the, and the asking things of me, of my house gets really quiet. And I put on my headphones. And whether it's a podcast or an audio book, it's Ryan's happy place. You don't mess with that 10 o'clock hour at night. And a wiser person would probably spend that time doing something restful or useful. I, on the other hand, fall down these really strange YouTube rabbit holes um, where it, that really shines a light on the weird realities that is all the different kinds of people that share the same planet as I'm on. Like, I love that there is actually a person that got famous by smushing their face on the pieces of bread. Who here knows that that's actually a thing? Just prove I'm not crazy. That's a real thing, okay? Um, and I love it, and it's bizarre, but that is a real thing that exists on the planet that we are on right now. And I find myself asking lots of questions, like how hard would aliens really need to try if they wanted to take over? But one of the, my favorite things that I love to watch is people that restore things. People that take old things, like beat up old cars, restoring old Civil War era pistols, restoring junky rooms and furnishing them into beautiful spaces. I even meticulously followed one that taught how to use ionized water to remove rust, and I made a giant mess of my garage, and I find it fascinating the people who are able to find original beauty in a thing or untapped potential in a thing and then obsess over creating or recreating that reality. And if you're anything like me, so often I find coping with the rusted wrench that is my reality now or hoping for something better in the future, it seems like an impossible thing to actually take hold of. And it might be because of some serious harm people close to us have inflicted on us. Or it might be because of a serious season of loss or deconstruction or be, be, betrayal. Maybe looking at now and hoping for the future is something that has burned you one too many times. But the picture of our restoration is not just getting us back to a state before we were ever covered in rust or dirt or wounds. And I want to go back to the text. So I want to go to John chapter 20. This is John's accounting of the resurrection. And many of us have heard the phrase doubting Thomas, and it comes from this passage. This is John chapter 20, verse 24. On. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hand, in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Eight days Later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood 
among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Right? That's what I was thinking. Amazing. Now, if you are a disciple of Jesus, who has just followed him from Galilee to the capital, watching him heal and cast out demons and forgive sins and escape the hands of the Pharisees who attempted to kill him multiple times, I would imagine that having him prove who he says he is would involve some of this uniquely divine miracle power. You say you are the resurrected Christ. Okay, go heal this man. You say you're the resurrected Christ. Okay, go cast out this demon. No, Thomas says, you say you're the resurrected Christ. Let me see your earthly wounds. Let me see where they hurt you. Let me see the holes in your hands. But wait, what about 2 Corinthians 5, 17, right? It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. What about that? What if I told you that our hopes of all things dead being res- resurrected and that all things being made new did not mean that your pain, your striving, your longing, your brokenness will become unseen. What if in some way, even in new creation, all of the ways you have eked out your human experience here has seared on your hands and your hearts permanent indents that will be marks of authenticity? What if whatever our new created, resurrected bodies and lives are will not be unrecognizable to the, to the stories we live now? His wounds were not dis, dis, despised. They were honored. Your wounds will not be dis, despised. They will be honored. And your s- story will be honored. I want to take a look at Matthew's accounting. So we're going to go to Matthew, and this is chapter 28. So I can tell that four people still own a paper Bible. So if you'll just enter into your Bible app, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. This is why people don't own it, because they have to flip through and they lose their spot. Matthew chapter 28. This is verse 7 through 10. And then verse 16. Um, So it says, Then quickly go tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my 
brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will, Amy, and we'll skip down to verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So we have Mary, Mary and Alame, who are told, who are told to tell the disciples, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. Then we see that the disciples went to the mountain. And some scholars think that they're headed to Mount, Mount Tabor, which say this is the Sea of Galilee here. Mount Tabor is right here. And then some say Mount Arbel, which is like northwestern. And then others say Mount Hermon, which is kind of upper north area. And Jerusalem is down here. Now, that may, that's not to scale, but um, why does this obscure geography matter? Last summer, I picked Alexia from an event at the OC Fair, which is right across the street from Van Card, which is where I met Vanessa, and it's also where I met Lexi. And I wanted to just kind of walk her around there. And as I walked past the gym, I remembered how I felt during those late night 2 a.m. conversations with Vanessa. I remembered the agonizing nights of frustration and loneliness as I would have to practice piano in the basement. I remembered how much I longed to be liked and interesting as I would pass the cafeteria where I'd often sit lonely. When I took... Lexi, on that walk, it wasn't just the stories that I had lived that came back to me. How I felt came rushing back to me. So whether it was Mount Arbel, whether it was um, Mount Tabor or Mount Hermon, even at the closest, it would be like walking from LBCF to Ventura, Okay. So this is a long walk, right? This is about a six-day journey. And along that way, what would the disciples have seen? Every single spot of their last three years of walking with Christ. Every spot. They would have recounted their stories. They would have had to enter again into the story they were in. The words of Christ, the blind healed, the angry crowds, the extended wedding parties, the thousands fed, the doubt, the anger, the disbelief. The last three years of their lives was all along that same path through Galilee. And if it, it did take place at Mount Hermon, which is up in the north, you might recall from Matthew 16, this is where... Jesus took the disciples after feeding the 4,000. And it's where he mentions he will build his church. Isn't that interesting? That he calls them to recall their last three years to journey up to where he said he would build his church in the small places again. He would take them back again on the rock that is Peter. And I wonder in 
of this room now, what the last three years of your life, of all of our lives, hold in the in the stories and the wounds that are significant to recount, to heal, to remember, and to be honored. Lastly, if we look closely at that close of Matthew chapter 28, there's a very famous passage called the Great Commission. Many of us have memorized everything from verse 18 on. But if you rewind the tape one verse, verses 17, it says, but even as some worshiped, some doubted, right? So what? Did Jesus upbraid them out? Okay, believers over here, doubters over here, and then turn to one group. Do we have any hint that that happened? We don't. He did not sort them out before he gave them the great the great commission. They received the commission to make disciples all the same in the middle of their doubt. Our wounds, our stories, and our doubts do not disqualify us. They put us in very good company. It's because of this resurrection we are given permission to hope again. It's because of this resurrection, we realize death is not all what we are made to believe it is. This is not just a renewed life. This is an entirely new life. The resurrection changes everything. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthian church that the resurrection, not the incarnation, not the crucifixion, the resurrection is preeminent, is the most important. It says that our faith is the, is the substance of hope, of things hoped for, right? Our substance of faith is, are the things hoped for. The resurrection is not just about our faith. The resurrection is our faith. It is the substance of things hoped for. That's why we sink into today, and I hope that we get that, because without it, all of the cruciform ways of, of being lovingly sacrificial or making peace or patient have no basis for hope. What if today Christ was giving you permission in light of what the last three Years have been for you. What if today you were given permission in the midst of that to hope again? What if today in light of this resurrection, we see that as good as it could possibly get now, it is just a small glimpse at the beauty of the shalom and beauty to come. And no matter how bad it could possibly get, even if it won't, alas, it is still Significant and it will be honored. Let's pull up that last s- s- slide that I have. Resurrection Sunday is the church's holy day to remember Christ is faithful and capable to keep his promise that his life and love is entirely unbound, even the grave is not beyond his touch, and that life from 
A death is not just something that happened, but in Christ it is something that happens. Resurrection Sunday is the church's holy day to remember Christ is faithful and capable to keep his promise that his life and love is entirely unbound, even the grave is not beyond his touch, and that life from a death is something that is not just something that once happened, but that in Christ it is something that happens. Amen. Now, if Jesus was smart like me, he would have stayed in Jerusalem. If he was smart like me, he would have said, okay, I have my chance to show everybody I was right, they were wrong, I want to start my church with as many people as possible, right? This is how my head works. Go to the place where your resurrection will be seen in the largest way possible, Go tell these crowds how wrong they were. Go exercise your d- divine power, lavish in proving your rightness. I very much enjoy when I feel right and I want to prove it. Instead, Jesus goes back to his re- relationships and he restores them. He goes back to those places and invites us back into the stories that matter, invites us to talk about them, to recall them, to sit and have a meal again. He builds his church by keeping it small again. This is what we'll be covering for the next two weeks. So if you come back, we'll be looking at how Christ uses his resurrected life to restore So, would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for this day that gives us permission to hope again. We thank you for this day that reminds us that our wounds are honored, that our our stories are honored, and that our doubts do not disqualify us from entering into the call that you put out. Thank you for the ways in which when it costed you most, you chose to love. Lord, thank you for today and in all the ways where it feels impossible to latch on to that new life. Help us to do it for others. Help us to be the hope for other people. Help us to hold it up and to take a moment today to know that even if Winter continues tomorrow, and if winter was everything before us, we could look at today as a, as, a, as a glimpse into the spring that will come, that all things will be made new, that all things dead in you come alive again. Thank you for this a day. Lord, help us to set aside all of the temptations to put things Um, above this permission to hope for one day. Lord, help us to latch on to hope because we need it desperately. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we have this building to come into to read your word and to celebrate with each other. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
Now, I want to invite up our elder co-president, Austin Nation, and our elder, Al Lee, for an announcement and then to set up communion. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, this is good. Happy Resurrection Sunday. As I like to say, it's a good day to be alive. Amen. Amen and amen. Um, It's really a pleasure and an honor for me to be um, able to make this announcement um, this morning on behalf of the elder board here at Long Beach Christian Fellowship. Um, For those that don't know, this is my actually my 20th year here at the lovely LBFCF. Um, Yes, amazing. I was young when I got here. Sheesh, I'm 60-something today. Sheesh. Um, and, And I was introduced to this church through a couple of members, a couple of physician members, um, through the um, work they were doing at Long Beach St. Mary's Care Clinic, which is the HIV clinic. We were doing outreach there, and um, members of this church came to serve meals, and Carol Schinenberger, one of the doctor's wives, was one of the first people I met here, and I was invited to come, and I was think three months into my recovery journey from drugs and alcohol, and they said, come. I was homeless. I was living with HIV then some 15 years, and they said, come. And I took a chance, and I sat back there, eased in the door, and Barbara Stanofsky found me back there, and the rest is history. So this has always been a welcoming place for those of us who are in the LGBTQ community. But today I'm here to give you an announcement that we've had a shift. There was a vote made and a conversation that's been going on. And you can see and read the whole history on the um, website. It's under the um, LBCF and LGBT ethics sexual statement. You may have seen it already. And it raised the question in that statement of, the level of affirmation that LBCF holds. And um, there has been many years of conversation around this. But on April 2nd, last Sunday, um, elders and pastors voted on a transition away from the welcoming position um, to their current more inclusive posture to one that clearly affirms LGBTQ people as equally part of God's creation and as loved by God. The new posture will affirm the relationships, identity, participation, and leadership, and community roles of LGBTQ people as equal to straight and cisgender peers. While this motion means that LBCF is an affirming church, it will maintain our values of fellowship, generous hospitality toward those who hold different perspectives as well. The unity around the communion table and unity around the communion table. So the official statement is LBCF is an affirming, has an affirming theological view of LGBTQ individuals and relationships. To have an affirming theology means that LGBTQ people and straight cisgender people are equally part of God's beautiful creation and loved by God. It is 
an unqualified invitation to our LGBTQ siblings to participate fully in the life of the church, including weddings, marriages, membership, and leadership positions. It is to say that LGBTQ people, their roles in the community, and their relationships are affirmed as equal to straight and cisgender peers. Our affirming stance allows for generous hospitality and fellowship toward those who hold different perspectives at LBCF. We are a community that comes from different backgrounds and traditions and land in different places in our interpretations of, of scripture. We celebrate that the table of Christ is wide and varied, and we choose our unity in him. We navigate with loving, generous partnership the differences in belief and include people from different theological perspectives at all levels of leadership while safeguarding and espousing the dignity and belovedness of our LGBTQ individuals and families. This is historic, and I am so grateful and so deeply touched. Yes! Awesome. <laughs> and uh, looking around, guys, we're going to enter into a time of communion um, now. And uh, if you have children in children's ministry and you'd like th for them to join during this time for worship, uh, now would be a great time to get them. Uh, so many beautiful faces here this morning, and um, we are well aware of how fortunate we are as a community to have each and every one of you as a part of our community. Each of you bring a different story, uh, different perspectives, intellect, um, scriptural interpretations, um, and, and wisdom into our community, gift, giftings into our community, um, and we highly value that. And, and along with our posture of equality um, and inclusion, um, you know, for us, it's also important that we continue in our posture of extreme generosity um, within our community, that we practice generosity, um, and that this generosity and fellowship and this, our posture of unity is one that continues to grow and really breaks out of the culture of the world. You know, there's a standard in which the world operates, and then there's the model that Jesus modeled for us, both in his death and resurrection. He invites us to a table. And so during this type, time of communion, um, what we do is really we enter in this practice uh, that Jesus, uh, during the Last Supper, just before, um, just before, you know, his death, in fact, in Luke, he talks about, man, I've been waiting to teach you this and waiting for this moment to have this meal. And there's something significant about this meal. And, and he sits there with this table of friends, his disciples, not all um, with the same story, background, same passion for Jesus, some doubters, some not doubters, you know, regardless. There's a, a table full of different types of people, and then he modeled for them, and he said, hey, he picked up this cup with wine in it, and he said, he said, you know, and he gave thanks, and he said, this is my blood, drink this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of forgiveness, and then, in a sense, he, and then he goes on, and he says, this is, as you break bread, eat this bread in remembrance of, of my life, this life, this resurrection life, and as we practice communion, time and time again, 
It's an invitation to step into that unity, this way of love, this way of grace and forgiveness that extends beyond, you know, the way of the world. You know, this is, it models in a very simple way. In a sense, Jesus was saying, as you gather around tables and you dine together and you remember me, guys, enter into this deep, deep love, this love that's, that's beyond fathomable and this deep grace that's beyond comprehensible. And then we, we do this each week as a church. And this is, in a sense, our community table is a starting place. So I'm going to pray in a moment. And after I pray, as you feel led, uh, feel free to approach the communion table. And um, you'll grab a, p- a piece of bread. We have a gluten-free option that's prepackaged as well. And, um, you know, you'll be reminded and you'll be told that this is his, his body broken for you. And then, um, and then you will, you'll dip that bread into the wine and then you'll also be uh, reminded that this is his blood um, shed for you um, for forgiveness um, um, in light of forgiveness. So uh, let, us, let us continue in this posture, of, in our posture of love and unity, um, and let's, let's join in communion. If you can join me in prayer. Christ, I, I pray that as a community you would take, continue to take us on this journey. A deeper, a, taking us deeper and deeper into your way of love, that you would teach each and every one of us to truly live in love like you. And that we would not only hear and remember resurrection, but that we understand that resurrection continues in our life each and every day, that we can experience it and we can live it in so many different ways. And as we gather around this table this morning, I pray um, I pray that we would, we would feel your presence, we know of your presence in, 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 in a way that we need to, but that you would bring us together in communion, in unity, as we, as we remember and as we engage with your, your blood, your sacrifice, and then your life, the life that you live, the resurrection life that continues in us. Thank you for our community and our time together in worship. Amen.